So I'm going to tell you something that's a little per- peculiar uh, about myself, a little weird, um, if you guys want to hear that. Um, I've had this fascination uh, my whole life with uh, like big machines, uh, big instruments, uh, like whether it's a, a big mechanical thing or, or just something that's like an enormous piece of metal that's been crafted into something. It fascinates me. That, uh, and not just things that are made, but things that exist. So even, let's say, you've ever been in front of a mountain and you just feel its presence and it, 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 it like affects you interiorly. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't. Uh, or uh, at the base of a, like a huge building. I was in New York a long time ago, and before 9-11, and I was standing at the base of the World Trade Center. And I was touching it. It's just, it, you just, you could, it was so enormous and so huge that yeah, I could just, I had this like almost sense of vertigo. Uh, or I was at, it was at uh, Hoover Dam. Ever see Hoover Dam? And you know, the inside, you go inside the dam, and it, uh, there's like you know, this tour, and you're, you're in there, and there's these huge, enormous generators down this whole long length of the interior of the dam and you're standing there, these huge monstrous machines whirring and you know, just going like crazy and it's like, you just feel it in your, in your innards, in your viscera. And it's not an unpleasant feeling. I mean, I am fascinated by these things but it's also something, something attractive about it. I was walking across uh, a Redgate bridge, and the suspension, the trail underneath it, and these huge cables that are holding up this walkway, these enormous bolts. And and I was, and I touched them. I thought, this is, there's just something so pleasing about this. I don't know what that is about it, but like I said, it's peculiar. But you know, the, the the idea that there's something so huge and solid and unyielding that doesn't give way before us. Something of that, like a, a certain fullness and plentitude that exists, that we can experience, that will not give way before us. It's solidity. Will not give way before us. That's a good thing. And we can experience it through created things, through nature. The world is charged with the grandeur of God, like shook and shining foil shining up at us, as one of the poets say. The world mediates God's wisdom to set us on the path of righteousness. And so, I think, you know, as I was talking to my spiritual director about this thing that I experience, this pleasant, attracted attention that I give to huge machines and powerful instruments and vast mountains and, and this vertiginous swooning of my viscera. How's that? 
and he just stares at me. He's like, <laughs> but he says, no, but don't you get it? That this is what we're supposed to experience before something that will not move us or something that will not be moved by us. This is, this is the, the appropriate response to a fullness of a plentitude of, a, of, of something that cannot be controlled by us. Good for you. That somehow these things in nature and creation and, and events can communicate the very nature of God's love and mercy for us. And what is that? Jesus says it. Unless you hate everything in your life, you can't be my disciple. In other words, Jesus is not going to be changed by us. He's not going to be changed by what we want or what we desire. Jesus is not going to be changed by us. We are going to be changed by Him. And that's truth. And it's difficult for us. We want Jesus to do what we want. But He's not going to be changed by us. He is the immovable force. He is the mountain. He is the, the tower. He is that thing which gives us that sense of vertigo where we swoon before His gracious, awesome, unmoving presence. And deep down in our soul, we are pleased by that because that's our destiny. Now, Jesus knows, though, that we all have little idols in our life. We have all these things that allow us to feel as though we have some sense of control, that we're in charge, that we call the shots, and it's not true. And he's challenging us in this lie that we hold deep in our recesses and says, you've got to get rid of it, you've got to root it out, You've got to get rid of your idols. You've got to put all those things in your life that are good that you use to control and to keep yourself with a sense of interior well-being where you don't need anybody or anything. You've got it all going on yourself. You don't need anybody's help. Get rid of it. Your money? It's not your God. I am. Your family? It's not your God. I am. Your kids? They're not there to be worshipped. They're a gift and you raise them up to me. I'm your God. Nobody else, nothing else, not your money, not your status, not your house, nothing. All those are good, brothers and sisters. This is not about, this is not an anti-capitalism gospel. This is not it. We've all got stuff. We've all got nice shirts. But they're not our God. And they can't take the place of the one who is. And he's, he's desperate for us to turn to him and make him the center of our life. But when Jesus is the center, so is the cross. And there's the rub. I had uh, an opportunity uh, some time ago, uh, 2006. Took a group of uh, 50 of my high school students uh, to World Youth Day in Cologne, Germany. I had never done anything like that before and I never will again. <laughs> <laughs> It was a moment of insanity, but it was beautiful. 
In the last two days uh, there in Germany, uh, Pope Benedict was his first public appearance outside of Rome after he was made Pope and he went back to his home country, uh, to Germany, and it went to Cologne. So the last two days we left Cologne Center and we, wa we walked 10 miles to the outside of Cologne to this place called Marienfield that they had constructed, this vast field, and they had put a, a hill in the middle of it with an altar on the top, jumbotrons all over the place, a million and a half uh, teenagers. Million and a half teenagers. <laughs> Let me say that again. A million and a half teenagers. <laughs> and we all had it was gridded out. So every every grid was fifty. So we had our grid of fifty. About a, half a mile back from the stage, from the from the altar. And and I'm sitting and I'm there and all of a sudden it dawns on me, I'm surrounded by a million and a half teenagers. <laughs> and in that sense of like the mountain and the skyscraper, it came over me. That vertiginous swooning of my viscera. And it was, it was pleasing. Because what's more solid than the church? And what were those million and a half teenagers doing there at that place? But being that monolithic, awesome, beautiful church, the body of Christ. And Benedict shows up at the end of that Saturday, it was Saturday, Sunday, so, and we had to stay overnight. We had to sleep outside. And, and it, was, it was hot during the day, and then it got cool at night, so all this dew and wetness on all those million and a half unwashed people, and it was nasty. But, I digress. Back to, so Benedict shows up at the end of that Saturday, uh, as the sun is setting, a beautiful, gorgeously flower sky, and uh, colors, and and just a perfect evening. And he's going up and down the rows in his boatmobile and we see him all over the, on the jumbotrons and, and he finally gets up to the hill that, that's built there and he goes up this ramp and his boatmobile gets to the top, gets out. And right away, they bring out the Blessed Sacrament, this huge monster, this huge host. And, and it's on the altar and, he's, and he kneels there in front and, it's, and he goes, now everybody be quiet. And there was silence. Silence. And he starts praying, and we're praying, and, and he starts talking, and we listened. And he said this, I'll never forget it. He said, Jesus is going to ask you for something. But you're afraid that when Jesus asks you for something, that you're going to lose something. And he pounded the prayer that he was praying for. He goes, no, no, no. When, when Jesus asks you for something, you're afraid that you're going to lose something. But no, when you give Jesus something, he gives you everything. Because he is everything. So you lose nothing, but gain everything. Isn't that what this is about? That there, in the overwhelming presence of the church, the body of Christ, there before all these hard, unmovable truths that shake us to the core, 
there is a pleasing acceptance of the truth in our souls that reminds us that we are made for God and everything in our life is there to help us serve Him and to be His disciple. We cannot change Him. He is going to change us. And we delight in it because it's the truth. But when Jesus is the center, the cross is there too. And it's ours to share together. So, Jesus is the rock, the mountain, the tower, the huge truth in our life. We climb upon this rock and upon the back of this rock who is Christ. We lean into the wheel of the world and we push And we seek to move the world in the direction of wisdom and righteousness. But the world is going to push back and will not be moved. So we will not give up, but rather absorb the resistance and the woundedness of the world and our own bodies. And that is the cross that we will carry. And that is the medicine that Jesus gives us as disciples to apply to the wounds of the world and to heal it. That's us. That's what this gospel is about. So 25 years, I've stood at the altar of God and I've tried to live out this gospel imperfectly for sure. Imperfectly. But it's a great honor. And there's a poem by La Cordaire that is on my dresser and I say it every morning. Uh, as I am getting ready and getting my day going. And so I'll close it with that. To live in the midst of the world without wishing its pleasures, to be a member of each family yet belonging to none, to share all suffering, to penetrate all secrets, to heal all wounds, to go from men to God and offer Him their prayers, to return from God to men, to bring pardon and hope to have a heart of fire for charity and a heart of bronze for chastity, to teach and to pardon, console and bless always. My God, what a life. And it is yours, O priest of Jesus Christ. Amen.